Morning, everyone. Good to be here with you. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Ecclesiastes, uh, which is near the middle of your, book, uh, your Bible. It's after Psalms and Proverbs. If you're using your phone, just type in Ecclesiastes. The spelling is on the screen. So, <laughs> I hope you had a good week, but, but the, the truth is, um, in, a, in a room of 300 people, we can already kind of see there's a variety of experiences that the people are going through during their week kind of leading up to today. There are people who, you know, maybe had an awesome week. Maybe it's spring break. Maybe you went somewhere sunny, which would have been nice. Um, and you got, to, you got to have a good week. Maybe, uh, or maybe you had a rough week where you're kind of struggling and, and, you know, people have been sharing about some, some tough stuff that people are going through. We're going to engage, actually, with, with the tough stuff, with the struggles today. And so... Uh, Ecclesiastes, we, we said at the outset that it was a, a brutally honest book, and it's going to be brutally honest today. Um, I, I want to start just with a, a quote from a man named Stephen Pressfield. He's an author um, in, in the States. Um, as far as I know, he's not a Christian. I came across uh, his book this, this week, uh, which is called Do the Work. He's a novelist. If you saw the, the movie um, The Legend of Bagger Vance, that's based on his novel. And he has, a, he has a book that's about the creative process itself. And in that book, he says this, the universe is not indifferent, it is actively hostile. Stephen Pressfield says that. He's not a Christian as far as I know. And, and in, contact, in context, context uh, when he says that, he's talking about something that he calls the resistance, capital R, resistance. And he basically says that, that any kind of work you do, he's talking about the work of, of writing as an author, but any kind of work you do, anything you try to do to, um, to, to make progress or to make things better in your work, something creative you're doing or just in, in your job or, you know, um, in your, your health, your fitness, your diet, um, trying to connect with your kids or your spouse, maybe trying to connect with God, there's something that he calls the resistance that just, it's almost like it's almost like it's fighting back against you. There's this struggle as we try and make progress in this life. You may have felt some of the resistance this week. I felt it in a couple of small ways. Like I, like I had a couple of big projects to do, you know, here at the church. Um, I was really excited to kind of get a jump on them. And you can maybe hear it. I, I caught a pretty bad cold, right? So like our, our, first our son, Liam, caught a cold, which is... Having a baby who has a cold is almost worse than having a cold. And so then I'm hanging out with him, and, and then, and then he's, I'm just holding him, and he spent like a whole day coughing in my face. And so I got the cold, and, you know, put me behind and everything. Or, or like little things, like yesterday I was trying to, I was helping my dad install a door in a bathroom. Um, we're quite the craftsmen. So, <laughs> so we go to Home Depot, we buy this door, uh, in the Home Depot in Langley, we drive out to Vancouver where we're going to install the door. We realize it's the wrong door. We bought the wrong, so we're like, oh, okay. So we, we go to the, we drive to the Home Depot in, in Vancouver. And we say, we bought the wrong door. Can we exchange the door? And they say, we don't do doors at this branch. <laughs> so we had to go to the other, home, so we, we went to three Home Depot. We finally got it. We got the door, uh, but it was, it was quite a, quite a, uh, quite a feat that we accomplished. And, uh, so, there, so there's like kind of, kind of these little things where you kind of feel the resistance, but then there, there are big things too where we, where we feel this resistance, right? You're, you're fighting with 
an illness or you're trying to uh, connect with your spouse, you're trying to um, go deeper in your faith, you're trying to um, work diligently at work, and it just, there's just this struggle, there's this darkness and this difficulty. And we try and be positive, right? The Bible says, like, Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always, and that's true, and we should try to do that, but we can't deny there's this, there's this darkness and difficulty to life that we have to acknowledge, and we have to have a way to understand it. And so d- today we're going to get a way to understand it. Um, Ecclesiastes is going, to, is going to help us. Uh, so we've been taking a fairly... Um, moderate pace through Ecclesiastes. We said in week one that Ecclesiastes is a story of one man's experiments in his life and his experiments to try and find meaning uh, in this life. And chapters one to four are kind of the record of those experiments. That's kind of where the details are. And so we kind of have gone a little slower through those chapters. Uh, In chapter five, right up to like chapter 11, he kind of shifts gears and he does a whole different thing. Um, Chapters five to 11 are basically now just more like classic wisdom literature. This is part of the, the Old Testament wisdom literature um, where, it's, where it's just reflections on life and, and a lot of kind of reflections and wisdom and proverbs for, for just how to live wisely um, in this world. And so, it's, so our text for today is seven chapters of Ecclesiastes. Hope you didn't make lunch plans. I'm kidding, <laughs> I'm kidding. So we're not going to go verse by verse. We're just going to hit the main theme. So there are two main themes over this big section, uh, and I'll just show, show them to you. The first main theme is kind of as we've been saying, that life under the sun is often dark and difficult. There's resistance. The second theme is wisdom can help somewhat. Okay, we're, we're not going to spend too much time on the wisdom piece because Wes did that a, a few weeks ago, actually. We, we touched on the idea of wisdom, but, but all through this section, there, there's this idea. He's, he's engaging with the difficulty of life, and he says, you know what? The reality is that living in this difficult world, we need to find ways to be wise, find ways to get around the darkness and difficulty, find ways to, to cope uh, amidst this darkness and difficulty. And so there's, and so he's got a lot of like, little proverbs and sayings and little kind of nuggets of really helpful wisdom. Like, that they're just helpful. Even if you're not a Christian, they're, they're just good advice. I'll give you, we're not, we're not going to spend a lot of time, but I'll give you my highlight reel of the best nuggets of wisdom in Ecclesiastes 5 to 11. Chapter 10, verse 10, says, Using a dull axe requires great strength, so sharpen the blade. I love that. If you think about your work, you know, maybe... You, maybe, maybe you're like the equivalent of working with a, with a dull axe. You need to sharpen the blade. You need to like get a good night's sleep. Stop trying to make it through with just like 16 cups of coffee. Guilty. Um, right? So, so that's a good one. Um, another one I like is chapter 11, verse 4, which says, Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Sometimes in our work, we just need to, it's another work proverb, uh, we just need to, things aren't going to be perfect, we just need to get going, you know, do work instead of wondering what might happen. I think that's some good wisdom. And then lastly, chapter 6, verse 11, which says, the more words you speak, the less they mean. One time someone emailed that to me after I preached. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding, that didn't happen. Don't, don't do that this week. <laughs> it won't be funny. 
so there, there's some nuggets of wisdom, and you can, you can browse through there and sort of find some, uh, you know, find them for yourself, and, and they're helpful. Um, but the main point we're going to deal with today is, is that other big theme, which is that life under the sun is often dark and difficult. And so he, he shows us that in, in a bunch of little um, kind of snapshots. And so we're going to look at four little snapshots from this, this section of Ecclesiastes, four snapshots that are going to show us, uh, th- that are going to wrestle with the darkness and difficulty of life, the resistance. Um, so the first one is chapter 5, verse 8, where he says, Don't be surprised if you see a poor person being oppressed by the powerful and if justice is being miscarried throughout the land, for every official is under orders from higher up, and matters of justice get lost in red tape and bureaucracy. Can I get an amen? Right? And so, you know, may, we've probably all had like a difficult experience with bureaucracy or maybe with government agencies. You know, like it's tax season. I was trying to log into the CRA website. My, my access code had expired. I had to call them, but they're in the east. So I had to wait till the next day and like call them during lunch because they were close. Anyways, so, so like they're kind of, sometimes we have these little irritations, but then there are big things too where you look around and there are people, maybe you know them, maybe you see them on the news. People who like in 2017, in a, in a developed country, sometimes they're, they're falling through the cracks and it seems like it should be easy for them to get the help they need, but they, but they don't. And so Solomon, who by the way was a king, wisest king who ever lived, he looks around and says, oh, you, you, you have struggles with the bureaucracy? Yeah, that, that happens. And he doesn't give us a solution. Just, that's just part of life. Uh, the, next, uh, the next one is um, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. He says, There is another serious tragedy I have seen under the sun, and it weighs heavily on humanity. God gives some people great wealth and honor and everything they could ever want, but then he doesn't give them the chance to enjoy these things. They die, and someone else, even a stranger, ends up enjoying their wealth. This is meaningless, a sickening tragedy. And so he seems to be talking here about someone who, you know, pursued success, uh, wealth, and honor in a, in a godly way, right? Those aren't bad things. Caleb talked about that a couple weeks ago. That success, wealth, th- th- those, are, those are good gifts from God, and someone's pursuing it, and, and they start to accumulate some success, and they don't get to enjoy it. In this case, the person dies, and, and someone else who didn't work for it gets to enjoy it. Like, we have kind of this... It's, it's called the American dream. It bleeds over into Canada. This idea that, like, if you work hard, you will then uh, receive success, and then you'll get to enjoy it. And that's true sometimes, but sometimes, you know, like Ecclesiastes says, yeah, sometimes you just get a bad break, and, and you, you work for something, you don't get to enjoy it. And someone who didn't work for it gets to enjoy it. It's not fair. A similar one is uh, chapter 8, verse 14. where he says, and this is not all that is meaningless in our world. In this life, good people are often treated as though they were wicked, and wicked people are often treated as though they were good. This is so meaningless. And so you might know people who are, they're, they're good people, like you really admire them. They, they give sacrificially, they try to serve other people, you know, and they, they volunteer their time, they, they give things away, they're generous, and, and nobody knows who they are. They get no credit, no recognition. Their, their life actually 
might be worse because they try to help other people because they're not focused on promoting themselves. They're just trying to help other people. And so they, they get kind of no reward in this world for, for being a good person. And then there are other people on the other end who, you know, are, who are at best average people and at worst despicable people who for some reason they get to the top. They're, you know, maybe they're rich or they're politically savvy or they're, you know, they're, they're good at sports or they can sing or maybe they can't sing but they're pretty so we let them sing. Right, and, and, so, and so they get to the top, and they get to walk the red carpet, they get the paparazzi, you know, people try to get, you know, pay them money to endorse their clothing or their, their makeup or whatever, and they get to the top, and they, they don't deserve it at all, but for some reason, they get the place of honor in our society. It happened, it happened then, it happens today. It's not fair. And then lastly, uh, this one's more general, Chapter 9, verse 12. He says, People can never predict when hard times might come. Like fish in a net or birds in a trap, people are caught by sudden tragedy. And so there, if, you, if you read the wisdom literature in the Bible, there is such a thing um, as, as a fool, a foolish person. Sometimes, sometimes things go wrong in your life because you made a bad decision and then it's the consequences of your bad decision. And other times, you're, you didn't really mess up. It's just, you're just going along in your life. Maybe your life is in good order and then suddenly, it's, you're, you're like, a, like a net closes around a fish. Suddenly, it's just a crisis, right? We were, like, we were talking about some of those today where people just suddenly have hard hard times. And so those are four examples. There are more in Ecclesiastes and in Scripture, and we could talk more about, about examples in our own experience. That life under the sun is sometimes dark and difficult. Ecclesiastes is honest about that. And so it leaves us asking, why? Why is life under the sun so dark and difficult? Now, you, you may have realized this already, but Ecclesiastes often uh, shouts the questions and whispers the answers. And that's true here as well. And so he gives us like seven chapters that really kind of shout the question. Why is life so difficult? Why is there this resistance? Why is it so hard? And it just, it just whispers the answer. And uh, the answer, or the beginning of an answer, is in chapter 7, verse 29. He says, I did find this. God created people to be virtuous, but they have each turned to follow their own downward path. Solomon says, one thing I'm sure of, I did find this. God created us to be virtuous, created us to be good, but people have each turned to follow their own downward path. The, the teaching of Scripture Ecclesiastes just hints at this. But the teaching of Scripture is that the reason for the darkness and difficulty is because the world is fractured uh, by our, our downward path, and, and the word that we usually use for that is sin. Ecclesiastes just, just hints at that. And so I want to take you somewhere else, um, take you to Romans 8, which is going to unpack this fully so we can get sort of a full understanding of what's going on here with the darkness and difficulty of life. Uh, 
Um, yeah, so we, we actually read part of this during our scripture reading today. So it, it says, uh, Romans 8, starting in verse 20, says, Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. And so, uh, like I was saying, the, the, um, the darkness and difficulty of life is the result of sin. Because what's happening here is he's referring back to the book of Genesis. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, which is near the beginning of your Bible. There, there's two people, Adam and Eve, and they're in, they're in this garden, and they, they sin. They eat this fruit that's uh, this forbidden fruit. And they disobey God. They say, God, we want to be the boss. And, and God, has to, God has to punish them. And so here's what God says to them after they sin, after they rebel against God. God says, uh, Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. And so you... You may have times in your life where you feel, you, you feel the resistance. And it's almost like, like, like they, were, they were farmers, right? So it's, it's a farming, right? it's farming language here. But you almost feel like your, your job or your marriage or your finances or your relationship with your kids, your relationship with God, is, it's, it's like trying to grow grain in a field that's full of thorns and thistles, it's, it's really hard. You, you can kind of get by, but you're, you, know, you have to work way harder than you, than you sh- should have to work. And, and you get, keep getting scratched and poked and cut. And, and it, you work so hard for, for just this meager, um, meager crop. And so, the, and so the Bible says, yeah, the, the creation, the world that we live in, is full of darkness and difficulty. It's full of resistance because it was subjected to God's curse because of, of the sins of human beings. Moving on in Romans 8, it's, uh, it says, uh, verse 21, or second part of 20, it, it says, But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. And so Paul says that, that the creation, the whole universe, groans. And that, and that you and I also groan. I think in Greek it, it says we groan inwardly. Like in our hearts, we groan uh, like, like a, he, he uses the image of a woman in, in, who's in labor having a child where there's this, this struggle. It's difficult. It's painful. And man, you just, you just want get to get to the thing at the end. It's, it's tough now. You just want to get to the, the thing at the end. Now, remember, we, we can, we've mentioned this verse several times in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11 says that God has planted eternity in the human heart. God has planted eternity in the human heart. Did you know that babies cry with an accent? It's true. They did a study. Uh, I don't know who they are, like some scientists. 
A few years ago, some scientists did a study, and, um, and what they did was they compared French newborns and German newborns. Now, German language, some of us, you know, speak German here. Um, the German language or, or German people tend to go down in pitch at the end of their sentence. French people tend to go up in pitch at the end of their sentence. So what they did was they took German, newborn, German newborns and French newborns, and they, they like made waveforms of their, of their cries. And they found that German newborns, their cries tend to go down at the end, and French newborns, their cries tend to go up at the end. So, so a French child, a French infant, can't speak French, but French resonates within that child. Uh, a German child, or infant, can't speak German, but German resonates within that child. Ecclesiastes says here, in, in Ecclesiastes 3, and Romans 8, says, when it talks about groaning, is, it's, it says, listen, eternity resonates within your heart. You've never seen heaven with your, with your eyeballs, but heaven resonates in your heart. And so you may have moments where you feel this, you, you feel this, um, this angst, this restlessness. When, you're, when you're, you're trying to do your work and, it's, and you got the wrong door and you said, this shouldn't be this hard. Why do they put two hinges instead of three hinges? Anyways, don't worry about it. That's, you're, you're trying to do your work and you say, it shouldn't be this hard. Or you're trying to, um, you're trying to connect with your, with your spouse and you've got nothing to talk about. You say, it, why is it so hard? Or, or you're, you're trying to pray and, and you feel like it's, like God is silent. Or you're, you're trying to, you're, maybe you're, like several people, you're wrestling with illness and you're like, it, and your heart is like, it shouldn't be this hard. Your heart groans about it. Listen. That's because heaven resonates in your heart. And when it, when it meets up with, with the sounds of this world, with this broken world, it, it clashes. Okay, it doesn't, it, it doesn't go. Your heart remembers. And so all of creation, including our hearts, groans for something more. The other thing to notice, back to, back to Romans uh, 8, 21 to 23, is, is, is the promise that one day we can be freed from the presence of sin. Okay, this is, this is the good news here. It, sa- it says in verse 21, um, verse 21, uh, it will join God's, creation, God's children in glorious freedom, freedom from death and decay. Verse 23 says, we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. And so there's this promise. We wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as adopted children. That's, that's looking forward. That's looking forward to heaven. So there's this promise that the curse will not be here forever. We, uh, we just wrapped up baptism classes, and in baptism classes, uh, we, we've done this on stage here too. We talk about three tenses of salvation past, present, and future tense. We say, I have been saved. If you're a Christian, you have been saved uh, from the penalty of sin. That's called justification, where, where you're given right standing before God. And then you say, I'm being saved from the power of sin. That's called sanctification. That's, that's God turning you more into, uh, making you more and more like Jesus. And then there's a future tense that says, I 
will be saved from the presence of sin. I will be saved. That's what he's talking about here. That's called glorification. He's, he's talking about the, the curse being gone. And so we, you know, we start out and, and it says creation was subjected to futility, right? Genesis 3, that, 3 that's way at the beginning of your Bible. Let me show you what the Bible says. So way at the beginning of, of your Bible, it says the ground is cursed because of your sin. Let me show you what the last chapter in the Bible says. This is Revelation 22, verse 3. It says, no longer will there be a curse upon anything. For the throne of God, this is talking about heaven, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there and his servants will worship him. And so the promise of the gospel is that it's not permanent. That one day, no longer will there be any curse. And, and in the words of um, Samwise Gamgee, everything sad will come untrue. That's in the books, not the movies. And so listen, that, that allows us to live differently now. That lives, uh, allows us to live lives of hope and meaning now. By the way, uh, in Romans 8, when it says creation was subjected to God's curse, that word God's curse is literally uh, futility or vanity or meaninglessness. And so if you read Ecclesiastes, right, Ecclesiastes keeps saying meaningless, meaningless. If you read Ecclesiastes in Greek, it's the same word. Creation was subjected to meaninglessness. And so this, this meaninglessness that we feel in our lives is part of the curse and Jesus came to save us from a meaningless life. Creation was subjected to meaninglessness, but we can be saved from it. And we can live lives now of meaning and hope. Because listen, we need this ending. If the ending is the curse is lifted, that changes everything. If, if the story is... Uh, curse and curse and curse and then nothing. <coughs> nothing we do now matters. You're essentially arranging flowers on the Titanic. Doesn't matter. It's, the ship will sink. It's over. Like it's, it's going to be over, right? But if, but if we have this promise that, that in the end the curse will be lifted and, and everything will be made new again, then what what we do now matters. We can and sh should do good because, and it will, and it will mean something, because the ship isn't sinking. That's the promise we have in the gospel. Last point, worship team, you guys can come on up. Uh, one more thing out of Romans chapter eight. Verse 24 says, we were given this hope when we were saved. And so these promises that it's not permanent, this, these promises of, of the curse being lifted, they, they come to us as part of our salvation in Jesus. How do you get this hope? You come to Jesus. So listen, you might be here and, and you're not a Christian. We're so glad you're here. Um, I don't know if 
Without Jesus, I don't know if you have the resources to deal with the resistance. The resources to, I don't know if you have an answer to the darkness and difficulty of life. And you probably feel in your life that resonance. Your, that's your heart, where, where you work, where you, you're struggling. You say, it shouldn't be like this. You feel that in your heart. That's your heart remembering heaven. That's your heart saying, there's more. I long for more. Today's the day to come to Jesus. Talk to me after or talk to the prayer team. They'll be up at the front at the sides here. In a moment, we're going to sing in Christ alone. And, and a couple lines of, that, of this song say, and as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. For I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. Sin's curse has lost its grip on me. If you're a Christian, this curse, this resistance that we feel, it's lost its grip on you. It hurts now because we're walking around on cursed ground. But the promise of the gospel is that it will not win the day. You may suffer in this life, but Paul says there's glory later. You may struggle, but there's victory in the end. You may die, but we believe that Christ has conquered the grave. We're going to celebrate that in a couple of weeks at Easter. So for now, we groan inside because we have a holy dissatisfaction with this broken world. We live wisely, like, like Solomon says throughout Ecclesiastes, to try and, and make it through with all this, uh, this darkness and difficulty in our lives. We work actively against the consequences of sin here and now. We do good because it matters, because the ship isn't sinking. We suffer well and bravely because we know it's temporary. And we look forward with hope. Because the promise of the gospel is it's going to be better. No longer will there be a curse upon anything. Amen.